0: Studio Stories, Studio Stories. A podcast reminiscing on Twin Cities dance history. All stories are connected, new ones woven from threads of the old. Hi, I'm Matthew Janjewski. Welcome to Studio Stories. Today our guest is Cynthia Stevens, a dancer, improviser, and a 1987 and 2005 McKnight Choreographer's Fellow, among many other Minnesota accolades. Welcome, Cynthia.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Matthew. It's, it's just been so wonderful to have this opportunity to reflect on my dance life. So I, I really feel honored to be part of this
2: series.
0: Well, this is really exciting for me as well. Much of what uh, I'm going to be asking you is like, I have little memories of you knowing that you danced with... Um, Judith Howard for some time with the Flying Sisters Dance Theater, uh, and that's all I really know. I remember like seeing you in Six A, and and knowing uh-huh. that you're, you know, taking classes and and performing and making work. So it's really I'm excited to get to know you, mm. Cynthia. <laughs> get to know your story.
2: Yeah, we, that's great.
0: Can we uh, first begin with learning how you? how you started dancing. And I don't think you're, are you from Minnesota originally?
1: No, I'm not. I'm, I'm from New Jersey.
0: New Jersey. Yes. So interesting. Well, okay. Let's go to the, the beginning dancing part. How did that all start?
1: (laughs) Sure. So, um, I was very close to my sister. She was four years older than I. And she uh, began taking dance lessons at, you know, a little local studio and I would imitate her. And so I have uh, memories of like family movies of her and I dancing and singing I'm a little teapot together from her studio performance or, you know, just dancing together. And um, I grew up in a suburb of Philadelphia. And <clears throat> this was the dawn of the sh- of shopping malls. And um, <laughs> Ursula Melita, who had a dance school in Philadelphia, um, and she directed this youth ballet company, Ballet de Jeune, opened a branch in the Morristown Mall. And so my mom started taking my sister there and I started taking ballet lessons when I was five. And I just, I loved to dance. And um I remember our first uh performance. Interestingly, I performed a Mexican folk dance um, mm. with her. In uh, at a, a Jewish community center in Cherry Hill. And um, this doing this interview it made me reflect there was uh, an influence that there was uh, a Latina ballerina who was one of the faculty. And so I think maybe that's where the Mexican folk dancing came in. Um, and so. This was, you know, it seemed like in my limited view, like this kind of little dance studio, but really she was, um, she had a really big vision about dancing for us. And, um, she choreographed this ballet called the Snow Queen, and it was based on the Hans Christian Andersen story. And, um, she would take us to many places performing, and I had a couple amazing performance experiences um oh, I was must have been about ten or eleven. we got to perform the Snow Queen at Lincoln Center in New York City,
2: wow. and
1: yeah <laughs> and um, i I just remember how beautiful it was, you know, like all the little. Cubbies and wood, you know, beautiful backstage in this huge theater. Yeah, it was quite something. And then another summer, um, there was this outdoor amphitheater in Philadelphia called the Robin Hood Dell. And I don't remember what exactly I danced, but we got to perform with Eugene Ormandy and the Philadelphia Orchestra. And you know listening to that orchestra right behind you know it's just so yeah. amazing <laughs> to... huge
0: experiences for at such a young age that's amazing
1: yeah yeah i remember the seeing the cellists you know the <clears throat> the um all of the travel you know, how people in olden times used to like cover their suitcases with little travel stamps from where they'd been all over the world. (laughs) And that was one of my impressions was looking at all of these places they had been on her cello case. It was just, yeah, it it, it was really something. And yeah, I danced with her for um, several years. But I also, I was really physical as a kid and I love nature and animals and like at 19, nine, I'm sorry, at nine, I said, I wanted to be a naturalist and
2: wow.
1: um, yeah. <laughs> and, and um, there, I I have one really distinct memory that there was this giant white pine in the park near my house. And like, it was like a stairway to heaven, you know, it, you know how pine trees just have branches like a ladder. And we, Mm. I would climb up in this enormous tree and just hold on to the massive body of this tree and sway in the wind. And, you know, it was just such an incredible kinesthetic, spiritual (laughs) experience to be with this tree. Um, Mm. And and um, I stopped dancing formally in my early teens, but I went to an alternative school, and um, there I really got access to nature like at a whole different level. We went backpacking and bicycling and canoeing, and we had classes in bird watching and astronomy. Like we'd go out in the pine barrens, which is this. Kind of wilderness area in and just lay and look at these incredible starscapes and yeah and and um eventually I found my way back to dancing um just on my own that I would put on my point shoes and dance around at school for my gym credit
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great
1: yes Uh, I mean because it was like you know the pull even though I had left dance it was like the pull you know to go back and what's so crazy is I remember when I was about you know I had grown up in this paradigm of you know you are a ballerina and you just train and you know you train Mm -hmm. and from an early age if you're going to be a dancer and I remember I must've been like 16 years old going to the Pennsylvania ballet and sitting in the dark and weeping because I thought I was too old to dance.
0: Oh (laughs) gosh.
1: Yeah. It was just, but luckily, (laughs) um, you know, I, I found other ways into dancing again, um, I went to Rutgers University. Um, I graduated early from, from high school, so I was really young. I was kind of like a deer in the headlights um, when I went to school. and I, um, But I managed to have a, a roommate, Janelle, who had friends who were dancers. And so my first way back in was uh, dancing in some modern dance pieces of, of students' work. And I also remember taking a master class there from Murray Lewis. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And and but I, I thought the Rutgers was too urban. And so I transferred to the University of Wisconsin at Madison to study ethology, animal behavior. <clears throat> and. Luckily, you know, unknowingly, I have come to a university that was a bastion of dance. You know, it was one of the first dance programs in the United States um, that was founded by Margaret Dubler. And that really broadened my horizons of dance. I mean, it's kind of wild when I think about all of the forms that I got exposed to. I, I took modern dance classes Um, I studied with Claudia Melrose, who had trained with um, Alan Nikolai, and I learned technique from her and improvisation and composition. But also, like, I took Japanese fan dance, and then an amazing experience was um, this man, FX Widerianto, who was a court dancer from Java, came one summer and – The University of Wisconsin had a a gamelan, like, you know, a Javanese orchestra of bells and gongs. Are you familiar with a gamelan?
0: I'm going to have to look it up. I don't think I am.
1: Oh, well, it's so beautiful. It's a completely different, um, you know, this whole Indonesian form of music with its own scales. And it's just, oh, so beautiful. And so I got to be part of this, um, there, the, like a full length dance, of of, with this alive gamelan and mm. <clears throat> we had to get dressed up. I remember it took us like an hour and a half to dress being wrapped and wrapped in this fabric and putting on these elaborate headdresses and everything. It was really magical. And, um, yeah. And, and then also another funny thing that happened there was I took, con- I started to take contact improvisation. And when I think about it, you know, contact had only been created like a year or two before. Um, I, I don't know how this person ended up. I can't even remember his name, how he ended up at UW Madison teaching a contact class. And it's just so ironic that I took a few classes and what I was thinking of was like a modern, you know, improvisation class. (laughs) And so I was like,
2: what is this? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just didn't like it. (laughs) So funny (laughs) because later on that became, you know, such an important form to me, but you know, I got to experience it so early on in the, you know, the life of the form. Um, yeah.
0: Well, just such a whole other world, right? That I remember myself, like taking my first modern dance class, being asked to be a tree. And I was like, what <laughs> is this, you know? And then all of a sudden it's like, that's all I do now. It's like, Let, feel like you're a tree, you know? So the time and place, right? Of Of that, what yeah. you've experienced so far and, Right. Amazing. <laughs> that's so funny. I feel yeah. like Wisconsin had had really I don't know. I feel like Wisconsin and Minnesota had this connection.
1: Yeah.
0: And, they and had bringing,
1: reciprocity.
0: Yeah, maybe that okay.
1: Yes. And in fact, that's how I ended up in Minnesota. <clears throat> that um in the fall of 1981. Denise Gross, who was a dance friend of mine at UW Madison, she was from Minnesota. And, um, so she invited me or said, let's go to this dance festival in Minneapolis. And, um, it, Nigel Redden at the Walker art center was putting on the new dance USA festival. And so I went up there and, um, with her. And, um, you know, I was exposed to like Laura Dean was at the height of doing her spinning dances. And I remember, uh, Sage Coles, um, and her collaborations with the Molly Davies filmmaker. And, um, yeah, there was just an incredible array of dance. And I thought, wow, this is really something. This is a place to be. And I didn't Mm. want to move to New York city. Um, so it felt like this was potentially a good fit for me. So um, I graduated um, at the end of the year. And, um, oh, and another funny thing was that <clears throat> we were staying at her brother's and we're sleeping in this stereo room. And uh, literally I, I met my partner-to-be, he came in and, and tripped and fell on me in the night. I, I, oh, that's so funny.
2: <laughs> yeah. So that's how I met him, and we ended up living together there on the West Bank for seven years. So, um, yeah, so I, I moved
1: to Minneapolis in January of 1982, which is like 41 years ago to this month, and I drove up in this blizzard with my dog isis Ah. and yeah the west bank was such a, a lively scene then and um you know the southern theater was um kind of in the beginning like kind of the nascent phase of of what it came to be i remember um when i arrived shortly after i think like within a day or so, I went to the Southern and saw Ben Krellkamp and his group doing God's Dogs. Um, so I connected to the Southern uh, right away. And then, yeah, I I just feel like the dance community was just so rich and so important to my life. I mean, it was just such a formative time in my life, when I came there, and um, you know, I made such good friends and had such amazing uh partnerships and opportunities, and yeah, it was just
0: yeah. What, what, uh, what kind of where did you go to take class and and things like that? What was kind of happening at that time in hmm. 19? Yeah, well, I,
1: um, well, okay, I. Because I had this connection with studying with Claudia Melrose and Alwin Nikolai, I felt this affinity to go to Hauser's. <laughs> so yeah. I did study at Hauser's and I did apprentice there briefly. Um, but you know, the fascinating thing about Hauser's as that at that time was, it was such an amazing crossroads for people. And they were so welcoming to people from, uh, other forms besides what they were teaching. Um, and uh, I remember like they brought in Daniel Nagren and Kathy Ward, who taught Hawkins um, and Marsha and Rob Esposito, who had danced with Murray Lewis and Alan Nikolai. They came and they were really uh, wonderful mentors to me um, in, you know, doing some of my first and best compositions and um, yeah, dances. And um, Diane Elliott came, she had started Alan Nikolai's dance program in France. And I'm not, I don't even know why Diane ended up in the twin cities now, but um, she was a really important mentor to me. And she probably was the first person that exposed me to body mind centering, um, and the whole idea of how somatics can, um, you know, intertwine with dance. And, um, she also was a contact dancer and I assisted her in teaching contact classes. So she was my mentor and as a teacher too. And I also studied at Xenon, um, with Margie Farnioli and Becky Stanchfield. And um, I can't even remember. They would also bring in, you know, lots of guest artists. And um, yeah, I I was really um, committed to a sense of community around dance. That was so important to me. And so I really... You know, was curious and reached out and just tried lots of things. Uh, and I um, was very involved in co-ops in uh, and activism when I went to university. Um, I can remember marching around the Wisconsin Capitol is in Madison is the cap marching around the, the Capitol building. You know, shouting "Death to the Shah. And U.S. imperialism. <laughs> I, was, I was really, you know, the whole Iranian Revolution, and I mean, I was very interested in politics and activism, and and the co-op movement was really important to that. And um, so, I thought about how you know, to be involved and be part of this community. So I can remember I started going to the Minnesota Independent Choreographers Alliance meetings, which at the time, Xenon was in the Wyman building and we would just sit on the floor in a small circle (laughs) and have the meeting, you know, there was just like maybe, you know, 10 people there. And I just really got involved. um, And I, Stayed really involved, and probably until two thousand one, like shortly before the end of of the Dance Alliance. Um, and I worked on all kinds of committees. I was in the steering committee. I was on the board a lot. I was vice president, the president of the board, and and another really cool thing, I chaired the visiting artists committee for six years so mc the, the McKnight uh Foundation funded uh visiting artists, and so I got to um learn about all these different artists and then select who you know with a with a, my committee who was going to bring in these get funded to bring in these different artists. So it was really wonderful because then I also knew about all these workshops that were coming and performances to be seen. And, and I just tried, I tried the whole time. I just always tried to see other people's work and all the artists that would come from out of town. Um, You know, I would go to a couple performances every weekend. I just, you know, really wanted to, know dance and know my community and be connected to everyone.
2: And so um,
0: important. And that's a long time as well to be with Micah into the dance Alliance as well. I think that that really, I don't know, did so much for the community. It's so great to hear of your involvement with the visiting artists because there was so much happening at 6A and <clears throat> like more of a national scene that was happening here.
1: Yes. Yes. And, um, you know, people would come back to, um, who had grown up there, um, like Aaron Thompson or, or another person who was really cool. Um, I'll never forget. This was, um, Gail Turner. Um, she danced with Nancy Housers and she, went to New York and performed with Meredith Monk for a long time. Oh gosh. And I'll never forget. She came back and at Hauser's had like an alumni concert and she is standing there with an iron and an ironing board doing this organ dance with like just these really wild, like undulations through her organs. And I am like, what is that? I uh-huh. want to know what that is.
0: <laughs>
1: uh-huh. And it was so great because um, Diane Elliott brought through this visiting artist. I, I don't think I don't know that I was um, you know involved right then, but it, through the visiting artist, she came back and taught a bunch of body mind centering classes. Like we would do two week classes on the organs and we, as students would pay $75, whereas it would be like hundreds of dollars to go and, you know, do this in the official program, you know? And so Gail was a really, you know, brought back a lot to the community. Um, and, and, um, yeah, Diane formed this group called Body Arts Network with Elizabeth Guerin and um who had been in Trisha Brown's company and Marilyn Habermasher and Steve Potts who danced with Hausers and um they did lots of improvisational performance and I studied with them too uh and Kind of they they kind of got me into more interdisciplinary work. Um, but w- one person I want to mention who was really critical to me when I first came was Frances Kimmel, who um, only stayed for uh, a few years in in the community. But she and I really bonded uh, when we were dancing together at Hausers, and I feel like you know it's funny. Re- again this opportunity to reflect like i feel like my close dancing with my sister this this um sort of was this template for me of creating these duets with other women
2: <laughs> you uh. know that
1: were important have been important through my life um as a dancer and um so frances and i really hit it off and um she uh, her husband at the time was Joe Tornabene who was a composer, and um, he did original music for Francis's pieces. And Francis did; uh, she was she studied body mind centering, but she was also getting certified as a Laban movement analyst. So she did her project on me, trying to um, expand my movement repertoire. Mm doing a lab on analysis with me and then, you know, finding different kinds of efforts or whatever that were not my comfort zone. And it was not my comfort zone. Like I can remember being in tears oh, <laughs> trying to figure out how to move in these different ways. But anyway, um, I, you know, the Minnesota uh, independent choreographers Alliance was so cool. It was such a community organization. And at a certain point they decided that if you qualified at a certain level of, you know, experience or whatever, I can't even remember what the guidelines were, but you would have your name put in a hat and mm-hmm. you would, they would have these dancer pools and technical support pools and everything. Um, so I, won these lotteries. I got several grants this way, um, which were really important uh, to starting my dance career and being able to present my work. And um, so I did my first concert at the Southern theater in 1985. And um, I did Frances piece in there too. And I, um, uh, she danced and, you know, Joe made the music for these pieces. And Bill Heron, who had grown up in Minnesota, he had gone off to dance with Alwin Nikolai. He set a piece on uh, Francis and I. And I just want to say that it. I think that experience, I got the idea that, you know, may, when you make work, like you have original music, you have mm you know, you work with, um, composers and there was such a cross fertilization at the time too, because, you know, in the late seventies, the <clears throat> independent choreographers Alliance started at the same time as the composers forum and Intermedia arts and loft. And yeah, there was just a lot of really great possibility in terms of all these different art forms. And, um, you know, I I came to have this really multidisciplinary approach. And practically all of my work, uh, ex- except for a very few pieces, I have either made with um, live original music or I have composed music and we sing in my pieces or, you know, occasionally out in nature, I just want to have the ambient sound of whatever environment we're in. But I, I feel like... <clears throat> you know, early on, I, I came to have appreciate that, um, I'd also, that I don't need to dance to music. Like I really had a sense of, I want to structure my dances and create my dances with their own sense of, Mm. um, development. And, and, um, so yeah, I would, sometimes, you know, early on, like make music by splicing things or whatever, but, but also that there was the opportunity to work with, um, all of these composers. And, um, so the, the next really big piece that I did the next year, I mean, I, I made concerts every year of some
2: sort. Oh, it was
0: really <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, you have had such a rich history, like really, really rich history in that time frame and so much happening.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, the community, it was just, yeah, it was so vibrant. It was just so beautiful. And um, so <clears throat> Lyndon and I are were really um, avid outdoors people and backpackers, so Um, the next year.
0: This is your partner? Sorry. Yes.
1: Lyndon. Yes. Mm -hmm. Lyndon Torsenson. We went, um, we decided to go to the Canadian Rockies and we went up to Winnipeg to catch the Trans-Canadian Railway. And they had this amazing exhibit of Inuit masks. And I had such a resonance with these like just the whole aspect of how they related to nature and animals and their um, spirituality and sense of humor um, and bizarre. Oh, I just, mm, it, it was just incredible to, to experience that art. It was so transformative. And then we got on this train and went out to the Rockies and I backpacked and, you know, stood up in these beautiful like glaciers and waterfalls and thought about like <laughs> you know just process this art I had just seen and I came back and I made this piece called Calling Down the Moon and um Lovis Weller uh who was a really beautiful dancer um she was in it and Suzanne River and I think Elisa Carlson and I, and it was based on those Inuit masks. And, um, and then Mary Ellen Childs, uh, I got funding from the Composers Forum to have her make an original score for the piece. And we played with ideas from um, Inuit. The In- Inuit girls do these really cool breath games with each other. Mm -hmm. And um, so she made a score around that uh, breathing sounds. And yeah, it was, it was kind of wild. It it was very um, primitive is not quite the right word, but yes, something very mm, earthy and simplistic in a way, but yeah, so connected to, nature and spirituality. And yeah, so much was embodied in that work for me um, in terms of who I am and who I became later um, as and a choreographer.
0: So yeah. It seems so connected to your, your nature, you know, <laughs> like uh, love of nature and bringing that, I know you're doing site specific work more so now. Did, were you doing, Site specific work then as well, or was it mostly for the theater?
2: Mm.
1: Yes, it was. It was um, primarily for the theater, but so much, yes, like about nature in the theater. But then, mm. <clears throat> um, I, I, um, this is. <laughs> I'll get to my first site specific piece was. Uh, the, the Minnesota Dance Alliance started doing a series called Summer Dance at the Ordway, and um, in 1986, I also directed the Choreographers' Evening, and I um, selected Judith and Judith Howard to do one of her dances and this woman, Mary Abrams. And then when summer dance rolled around the next year, I said to them, uh, do you want to join me? And I'm going to do, I want to do a show. And so we did upstairs in the Ordway, we did a show called flip side. And then the next year I got invited to do, uh, my own show down in the McKnight theater. And So my first site-specific dance was a Marianne Childs had this piece called Standpoints, which was an electronic score where there were sounds like coming at you and rolling through the space. And so it's kind of something to me now to think about this insurance-wise, but the <laughs> Ordway allowed me to put dancers like in the in the spaces like way up in the air next to the actual proscenium and in the catwalks and people were crawling down the aisles and, you know, leaping wow. through the, you know, across the front of this, you know, theater and all over. Yeah. So that was my first site specific work.
0: Um Amazing.
1: Yeah. And then I also got then, then the idea um, <clears throat> you know, we would bring in the Walker would bring in people. And, um, and Carlson, I, she's a dancer and performance artist from New York. And she did an animal series. And so you can, of course, from my end, see the connection, but she, <clears throat> she saw one of Mary Ann child's do a, a performance of the score for my piece. and, Somehow she got the idea to invite me to assist her. Uh, she (laughs) in so for the first anniversary of the Walker Sculpture Garden, she did an inside piece and then she did a piece, uh, new, I think nude on a horse in this, and I remember for sure it was on a horse in the sculpture garden, and so. I that was kind of my first exposure to doing site-specific work outside, even though it was this very um, you know, <laughs> manicured and
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was sort
1: of man-made space, but it was still really incredible. And then the next the next year <clears throat> I got um the Minnesota State Arts Board had a residency program. And it was so, it just, I don't know. I I just feel so lucky and so grateful for these things. I got to go to the Headlands Center for the Arts, which for five months, they would send Minnesota artists. And then there were artists coming from different parts of the U.S. and around the world to do residencies there. And um, we were like, right near the water at the mouth of the San Francisco Bay. And there was these incredible cliffs. And um, so I could dance outside. And I also had this funky old gym to dance in. And I also volunteered every week at the Marine Mammal Center, which was in the same valley. And I would um, work with injured seals and Baby seals that had lost their parents. So mm. I got to like nurse, like teach baby elephant seal how to eat fish for the first time. <laughs> just wow. you know these incredible. You know I like get up in you know feeding these sea lions and what, yeah it was just yeah. And, yeah and then the whole Bay Area experience. Um, uh, you know I. Like, I would drive in and get to dance and dance with people in that community. And I'd bring them out. Um, I knew Nancy Stark Smith, you know, I had this whole other train besides what I'm telling you of dancing and performing with other um, with improvisational, especially contact people. Um, And um, so I would invite her and, you know, these other people. And she asked me to be in this project there Um, where we went up to Point Reyes and Martin Keogh and Ray Chung, these people who are quite well-known in the contact community, she used us to give her feedback. She was developing this thing, which is now like worldwide practice called the underscore. And so we were trying this out for her and giving her feedback. And then we went back to San Francisco and we did a performance just for the dance critics of the Bay area, which is kind of crazy Um, for her to like have a dialogue with them about improvisation.
0: Hmm. Do you feel Um, like at that time it was still kind of trying to educate people about what it could be and and is?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think, yeah. About what, yeah. What improvisation was. Um, yeah. I just thought it was a really interesting strategy (laughs) to, to do that. Um, yeah. To help that community. Um, yeah. So anyway, while, and while I was there, I met Bill Reichard who is a wonderful twin cities poet and, um, he and I uh, were also friends with these two wild artists, Kitty and Pinky, uh, who were from the South. And they were, you know, much older than me. So they were like a really cool role model of like, wow, you can be older and be like this amazing, weird artist. And, you know, like, I don't know. There was just something so like, ah, oh strong and fierce about the way they work together and just their thinking. And yeah, it was just so insightful. And so Bill and I got to know each other there. And then when we came back, this is in the early nineties. He and I stayed in touch. But while he was there, he wrote this poem called through bowed glass about it, you know the the headlands and looking through the the old you know turn of the century windows, you know how glass mm. kind of melts over time oh, and and um so anyway, this poem really moved me, and when Judith and I formed the Flying Sisters theater in nineteen ninety three um one of the pieces that we did was a duet um speaking and dancing that poem um and I remember doing it in a gallery that I don't think exists anymore but with a huge window and yeah it was just it was really um really beautiful and um yeah so when I came back oh oh I had I had um started doing the body mind centering certification the summer before I went to the headlands, but I just mm-hmm. decided, I I don't know, during that time, you know, I met Judith Howard at Hauser's and um, she, I can remember Judith um, being pregnant, like with a couple, like running into her on the street with, you know, one or two other children in tow and okay. stuff too, you know, the, at, like early on, but but then I think because we like the Housers brought in Kathy Ward and then Kathy Ward who danced with Eric Hawkins she 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 started teaching there and and downtown at Studio Six A and um, somehow we we just started to get really close and <clears throat> so after I was at the Headlands I was just like ah. I can't go away again. And I wanted to be with Judith. And that was that was the summer of ninety-three. And we yeah, so we formed Flying Sisters Theater then. And um yeah, we collaborated together for five years. And um we I it's funny, I don't remember how. Jane Anfinson became a part of us, but she was a really integral part of our collaboration. And she was, uh, she played electric violin, and, but she was really open to being physical. So we actually like choreographed her into some of our dances. Um, And she was, you know, played in so much of our work and our first concert, I think Judith referenced this when when you uh, interviewed her. Um, our first piece that we made was this collaboration of improvisation called Two-Bodied Woman. Like we were that close that we thought of ourselves as two parts of the same body. <laughs> mm. You know, it was, it was really something to work with her and in that depth and the emotional vulnerability and, just sense of simpatico and we yeah. all, you know, we, we love nature. We both were really, I mean, I'm, I'm very into fluidity and what, you know, water, I'm very drawn to water and like the whole thing with fabric. Um, <clears throat> we did another evening length piece at um, studio six, a called wrapped. And um, it was all, Tons of fabric, like wrapping, like this huge stretch of fabric across the stage. And I'm like gradually rolling up in it. Or we have like a box that's just layers and layers of fabric that you just un- opening and opening. And <clears throat> and we had this stage set. Mary Claire Loli O'Brien was another integral part. She was an amazing customer who worked for many, many companies uh, in the Twin Cities. And she made this, we, this, we had this giant curtain and she made, uh, she pieces of clothing. And we had like different signs underneath with, uh, you know, different kinds of things we wanted to say. And, um, it had a curtain with a slide coming out of, of it, like this incredibly elaborate set. And, um, and you know, but all fabric. And then David, uh, Jane left, the group by then. David was inside one of these compartments. The dr- he was in the drum set all wrapped up in blue fabric. <laughs> Part of the dance was like unwrapping him, and oh, and him laying with an accordion on stage under sheets and just subtly moving this accordion like breath, and you just see this subtle rising and falling under this fabric. I mean, yeah, mm.
2: we,
1: yeah, we, we had so, so much, um, of a synergy as a partnership. And, uh, yeah, that was, yeah. Our
0: Cindy- I, yeah. Cindy, that's what I really remember of my time here. I moved here in 89 and I just felt like the two of you were inseparable. Whenever I, I was like who are these two people and making so much work together and yeah I, I just have such memories of the two of you and your really? relationships it's really fascinating for me to hear again this is why I love doing these studio stories it's like how much more history there is of, you know <clears throat> through Hauser and all the work you were doing I mean my my notebook here is like full. I'm flipping pages and writing down names and things that you're sharing. Like you really have this wonderful ability to, to go into the, like what you're making and the, all the names, your memory, my goodness.
2: Yeah. So good. There's so many
1: wonderful people here. Um, you know, that, that some didn't, didn't stay for very long, but, you know, really left a mark on me. Um, and, yeah shape the community um
0: how is it that you you ended up leaving mm and when was that i
1: i I left in two thousand seven finally, and okay this so in nineteen uh-huh. i used to teach for twelve years. I taught a contact improvisation class at um the people center gym on the west bank and my partner my first partner linden was a staff person there before he went back to graduate school and i in tandem with the dance alliance i was super involved with this co-op and again for you know 20 some years i was working volunteering there and on the board and and uh yeah, very involved. in, And um, so this contact class that I taught was like a meeting ground between these two worlds for me um, where professional dancers and then community dancers and then a lot of people from this co-op came and studied improvisate contact and improvisation and somatics with me. <laughs> and so my, I met my husband that way. <laughs> He came as a student in 1995 to get his doctorate at the University of Minnesota. And um, he had studied modern dance and contact in Philadelphia. And so, yeah, he came to class and uh, that started our romance. Um, And but he he went away uh, to Europe and I stayed in the Twin Cities uh, he yeah, after he finished his doctorate in 1999. And um, anyway, I, um, I kept making work. Uh, and eventually, uh, I got pregnant and we married. And I um, by this time, I don't know, I keep through my life, I keep going in and out of um, duets. And you know, finding forms, and then going back to doing solo work. And so, after we Flying Sisters ended, I went off and started doing work. And oh, I did a. Sorry, this is a long, long-winded answer to a question. Oh, when no, did you that's leave? Not good. <laughs> but, um, I. <clears throat> I want to tell you about this, some of these works that were really integral to my, my life uh, as an artist. And so um, anyway, I taught a site-specific dance making class at the University of Minnesota. And it was a a piece on the um, geothermal, it was an engineering building. It was a geothermal engineering building. So I did a piece there, and Bill Reichard came. And afterward, he said we should make a piece together. So <clears throat> it's just all all caught up, sort of my <laughs> my personal life and this dance. But he, he and I started making this piece uh, about Leonora Carrington, and and I had gone into the bookstore in 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 uh, Saint Paul. And I had seen a cover of this book by Leonora Carrington and on it was one of her paintings. The book was called the hearing trumpet, but this picture was of a giant woman with a Cape and like all of creation is flying out, like coming out of this Cape and it was made such an impression on me. And here, unbeknownst to me, Bill Reichard actually had a print, an original print of one of her works, and he loved her. So we like found this meeting ground of this artist mm-hmm. and um, you know, really researched her work. And I, she was a painter, a prolific painter and an author. And so we decided we were going to make this piece, uh, Leonora's Dream. And it was kind of pairing different stages of a woman's life with different elements of nature. And so um, the first piece, the first part of it we made in 1999, I made with Arwen. And Arwen and I then started working together. She danced with me. I had, I eventually called this group that I started to form in situ and we stayed together for I don't know, she danced with me for over a dozen years, I think, in my different. Oh my gosh! Wow. Yeah, and Megan Flood, and um, yeah, so we this piece, the first one was called "Are You Serious," and it was like teenage fire, and it was, but it was through using wolf behavior. Mm. And it was this crazy, like we were just, it was so wild. Elisa Carlson did this wild narration of that Bill made of uh, kind of has, was sort of like going off the edge <laughs> and, um, and, 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 Arwen and I is this like wild thing where we're crashing into the air with each other or like we're, we're um, exposing our necks to each other. And like, yeah, just all of that wildness of like, you know, hormones and fire. Um, And yeah, it was yeah. So I really formed a bond with Arwen and then somehow, you know, little by, m- I got money. We did a section of the dance, kind of a, a fore, shadowing of the dance. Um, I got a grant from inner or commission from Intermedia Arts to do a piece with this woman, uh, Jean Humke, who is a visual artist. And we were, we danced on the roof of the Intermedia Arts building <laughs> Wow. developing this first section about like the, you know, youth or childhood. And I had, <clears throat> I lived in, um, Brin, the Bryn Mawr neighborhood. So I was near Worth Park. So we started staging this in Worth Park. And the, one of the most incredible, uh, parts of the piece was called, um, what was the name of that section anyway it was uh bill made this libretto or lyrics and i composed the music and we got on chest waiters and we stood in this gorgeous swamp and the piece combined bird calls and like Elisa Carlson has the most incredible range. So she could like throw these super high, beautiful like renditions of sort of based on bird calls. Anyway, that we, we did this whole chanting singing piece in this swamp that was um, really also another aspect of my work that i started developing a voice as a really important part of my performance mm-hmm. and um and yeah I, <laughs> we were going to do this performance in 2001 but i got pregnant and we are working on it working on it and finally it just became obvious that i could not <laughs> I <didn't,
0: laughs> Jump in the pull, this,
1: pull this off <laughs> more from a standpoint of exhaustion.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, <clears throat> so then I, um, we did it, but we did it the next summer when, when Seneca was about seven months old and unbeknownst to me, I was no. Yeah. I think I was already pregnant with Simone my second child. And um, so anyway, uh, long story short, I just keep working with my dancers and develop in situ, but I'm, I start going back and forth because Jean-Luc gets a job in Iowa.
2: <laughs> oh, um,
1: yeah. So I was having to go back and forth, but I kept making these dances, uh, we we did a piece the next summer based on, uh, was it the next summer? Oh, yeah, we got, I got a, a grant from Forecast, and we went up and did a piece on the North Shore at Split Rock called Sightlines, and I had already gone up to Gooseberry State Falls and done a site-specific piece with um, Jane and Gretchen Pick and Michael Casper and Judith. And that was, so I had this affinity for the North shore and water. And um, yeah. So I made this piece there.
0: Yeah. You made so much work. (laughs) I don't, I, I only, I feel like I only saw a few things at 6A. Again, I was just emerging here in in college, but it's just fascinating to me. And I just love how you, you get lost in, in like, oh, in this piece. Like I love hearing that excitement (laughs) uh, and passion for it.
2: I just love making dances.
0: Yeah. And you certainly have kept busy. And what are you doing now? where did where did you land and and yeah
1: well okay i left in 2007 i went to paris for a year um and or almost a year and then we moved to ithaca new york which is uh in the finger lakes and it's this gorgeous region of upstate sort of western new york um where the glaciers have carved all these enormous lakes so um ithaca which is the unceded territory of the guy I want to say um, is um, this 40, Ithaca is at the base of this 40 mile long lake. And um, so uh, when I moved here, I was still working with my group in Minnesota, if you can believe ah. it. So we, we took Leonora's dream I'm not sure if that was maybe before I left. Um, We took Leonore's dream to Europe and danced it in the Müller Sculpture Garden in the Netherlands. And then in the 2008, from the money that I got from my McKnight Fellowship, we also went and I did a site-specific piece in Muir Woods National Monument with Arwen and Megan and this whole in situ crew that I had, basically I had a dance company of, um, well, like that involved like six people. Um, and, and, um, then after that, I, I kept getting bronchitis and pneumonia because I, you know, I wore myself so thin between, I don't know, Matthew, I, I, as a, as a word to, younger people, like, I feel like I got these money and these opportunities. And I kept on wanting to feel like I have to stretch this money to the max. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to do everything myself, I'm going to be the travel agent and the arranger for everything, you know, for all going to Europe, I am going to, you know, do all this publicity, I'm going to do all this. Well, you know, I just, I wore myself to the bone.
0: And yes,
1: yes. 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 Like at a certain point I should have made the leap to which you have wisely done to other people can do this stuff for you (laughs) and you will be a better artist for it, you know, but, but, but anyway, we went to Muir woods and I did a piece in 13 sites around the woods. And um, yeah, it was just, talk about an enchanted forest. That (laughs) is just an amazing experience. I mean, Megan said it touched her. Like she said, it was on par with when her nieces and nephews were born, that it was just like such, um, a deep experience for her to dance inside of a redwood tree. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah. And and another cool thing about it was I had a Melissa Birch dance inside a, a, a play a drum inside of a dead redwood. So it was like a giant resonator that you could hear this tongue drum all over in the woods. It was, it was yeah. And and then from there when I after that I was so worn down that I just had to take a year off. And I oriented myself by going to the creek. I live near like this beautiful gorge in this creek, six mile creek. That's the water source for Ithaca. And, um, you know, my sense of place is so important to me. I feel like basically a lot of the work I make is trying to help foster a sense of like a visceral sense of place for people um, you know, so they feel connect connected and like in community through their connection to nature. And, um, so I made a whole series of pieces there, which was really different for me instead of going to all these different sites to really dwell with, um, one place. And, uh, um, then, and Arwen came and danced with me and Sarah Baumert. Uh, made the first group piece. And then Anna Marie Shogren came and wow. danced with me. And uh, like we did, um, we did a film together with another dancer uh, from here uh, as kind of like, uh, I felt like it was kind of a reflection of everything that had come before. And we also took, kind of some of that material and performed it at a body mind centering conference (laughs) in, um, in skid at Skidmore in, in New York state. And, um, yeah, so I, and I've continued to make pieces, um, in, in the Creek. You mentioned, uh, when you wrote me small catastrophes, I, I started doing site-based work with a woman named Julie Nathaniels, um, she came up through um, uh, the tradition of Suprapto Suryodharmu. And um, so she studied like Indonesian approaches to improvisation as well as um, American (laughs) improvisation and European, you know, centered improvisation. So that was really fascinating to me. And um, yeah, so I just, continue making dances insights, but also about nature. Like this year I did six different, uh, Julie didn't want to perform anymore. um, You know, in the past year or so. So back to soloing. um, So I I made, I did six different solos this year and I um, did some of them in theater, the one about animal extinction. And then I've done pieces about um, there was a storm at Stewart Park that damaged a lot of the trees, and this is related to climate change. so it was about you know how is how is that impact of climate change affecting our community? Um, and this whole source series i I um I had audience activities, so I'm really interested in the people in the audience having like, what are the fluid systems in our bodies having an experience that and what are um how are how do invertebrates that live in this creek where we live move or you know
2: like yeah.
1: uh framing the performance through people's own embodied experience together and and that was really something to um get people moving together um
0: yeah You really haven't haven't stopped at all. (laughs) I mean, that break was was needed and it sounds like you came out again. How are you are you working at Ithaca (laughs) College or how are you, you know, supporting funding and things like that still? Well,
1: okay. (laughs) I (laughs) it's interesting. This is a small town relative, it's a city, but it's not like I mean Moving away, Matthew, you appreciate what an exceptional place the Twin Cities is to be as an artist. I mean, it is phenomenal to be there. And um, it's just not like that here. Um, It's very small. There's very few people making work. Um, But there is dance activity at Cornell University and Ithaca College but, um, I've not, I did collaborate with Lindsay Gilmore, who used to be a a university professor at Ithaca college. Um, but I, yeah, I, I felt when I moved here in a certain way, I felt kind of a void of community. So I, I, did uh, certifications in body mind centering. I finished them in Germany and then I did one in France and I um, did a, had a private practice in BMC and also taught BMC and dance classes here. Um, but I don't, when, I don't, I don't know. I just, when the pandemic came, I couldn't work with people. It was in, I do I actually turned my living room and dining room kind of, I had a floor laid. I sort of turned them into a small studio and um, I couldn't have people come into my house anymore. And I don't know, I just, I burned out on teaching dance. So I just, but I decided, I really need to focus on dancing again. That, that is really my life. And my husband, I have the good fortune. he, can support me, so I just have dedicated this time. Now I'm 64, but I'm like I want to just dance. I am going to dance yeah. as long as I can and as hard, you know. And and the cool thing is that the pandemic has provided this opportunity to reconnect with my friends in the Twin Cities. So I take class pretty much every week with Aaron Thompson. So, you know, after, yeah. yeah, And, and I tried to take hijacks class or I, the dance classes on Saturday at, at, um, at, um, tapest is it tapestry yeah where they oh, hold yes. those yeah yeah and then also just like have connected to people like through movement research online i got to be fr- come friends with eva karzag i don't know if you know her she's danced with trisha brown anyway i i do um qigong with her and uh um japanese meridian stretches another day of the week we just have a group and we get together and- and yes. then I'm I'm starting to dance with another young dancer. I invited her to start working with me on a piece, and I've started collaborating with a cellist now, Sarah Small. And so, wow, I I'm just I, trying to sort of, yeah, keep building your, another phase. Um,
0: yeah, your perseverance and your like, j- I just can hear the passion of of making things and your creativity you know, just the curiosity of discovery and continuing to learn. And it's just incredible to me. And, you know, Cindy, thank you so much for your time today. And there's so much more. I think we could, I have so much visuals from you talking <laughs> that I'm really fascinated and so thankful for your time today and sharing a part of your history.
1: Oh, thank you, Matthew. And one one last thing I want to
2: say is like, how, I mean, make me cry, but how grateful I am to my parents because they really, they saw my spirit and they really supported me as an artist the whole way. Like they would come to all my performances. And like, I remember when I did that show, Calling Down the Moon at the Southern Theater, they like, put on this banquet like i felt like i'm getting no. married you know no, <laughs> a here. wedding reception you know and my father was always telling me i see i see your spirit and how much you love to dance and yeah so i really oh, want to acknowledge my family too how important yeah. they were
0: oh, to so make important you have
2: the courage to, to be an artist helping me
0: yeah, it's beautiful.
2: Well, thank you so much, Matthew. This is really important to me to share this.
0: Thank you, thank you, Cynthia. Next week, we talk with Rabbi Diane Elliott, an American dancer, choreographer, and movement educator.